As a nurse, the one thing you don't do is stand still. You're always going, doing, helping, thinking, solving, saving. Your nursing career shouldn't stand still either. Post University can help you move it forward from RN to BSN, from BSN to MSN, even from MSN to DNP. Learn more about our accredited programs at post.edu. Start taking steps toward an advanced degree. Apply now to Post University. Post makes it personal. We got the podcast side started on Spaced Out Radio tonight with our guest, Stephen Chong, talking about life after death. We're just in our roll call waiting for Bill WD-40 to come on into the chat room to lube us up for tonight's show because you always want to go into a show nice and smooth. Yes, you do. You never want to go in rigid, right? Right? Some of you got that. There he is. Hi, Bill WD-40. And don't forget, you can shop at our Spaced Out Radio store. It is always open on our website, spacedoutradio.com. We do not have ugly swag, people. Oh, hell no. No ugly swag there. All right, everyone. That time of the night. Get your horns up. Let's rock. From the mountains of central British Columbia to you listening around the world, this, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, talk stream live at KPNL. All of our archives are free. You can join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at spaced out radio, Instagram at spaced out radio show, and on TikTok, pardon me, Patreon at the SOR Space Travelers Club. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news, wire, check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world a better place by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. A power show of information tonight regarding life after death. Author and researcher Stephen Chong joins us from Australia to talk about his new book, The Afterlife. Ooh, what a title. That just scares the hell out of me just saying that. Yeah, it does. I don't know why, but yeah, it goes to my anxiety. Yeah, we'll figure it out tonight. Then in hour number three, it's jam-packed. Why? Well, we got Steve Stockton from Among the Missing. Then Robin Haynes will be here with a cryptid report. It's Dave 101 night and the strange news of the week. So let's hammer it down. Stephen Chong is a far north Queensland Australian-based author who draws his inspiration from life's themes that relate to us all. Love, grief, struggle, overcoming obstacles, culminating in his six inspirational novels, feature film screenplays, and multiple short stories. He has converted these life themes into stories that we can all relate to. His expertise on balancing modern work practices with personal life provides unique insights that make life and life in the hereafter a much better place. Well, let's learn about this because there's nothing more that scares me than death. And that's the truth. 
author Stephen Paul Chong. Welcome to Spaced Out Radio for the first time. Thank you for joining us. Be here across a great expanse of earth and water, I must say. Yes, and you were visiting British Columbia not that long ago, and and you seemed to enjoy our country, the fact that there was no great whites and uh, no bull sharks, (laughs) no tiger sharks, no megalodon, no snakes that wanted to poison you. You know, I mean, that's a pretty good run you went on over here. Oh, we we my wife and I had a the the most beautiful time. Mind mind you, we went on one of those crews with like grey-haired older people, so we were pretty safe. There was no danger where we went. Well, that's good. <laughs> we don't want that. <laughs> we do not want that, my man. But I'm glad you had a good time in Canada, and and thank you very much for visiting our country. You know, I'm going to tell you, there's one topic that we deal with on this show. That scares the daylights out of me. I've talked about hundreds of alien encounters, Bigfoot encounters, monster encounters, near-death experiences, everything. But I'm going to tell you, the whole topic of death scares the daylights out of me. Always has since I, I was about 25 years old. And since then, the last 25 years... I have had major anxiety attacks about this. I know other people absolutely fear it. You know, what made you get into studying? What is the afterlife? Oh, Dave, you know, it's a very good question. It wasn't what compelled me to to write the book was I couldn't have even made it up. What happened, uh, and it's just on four years ago now, and as you do when you get older and you're in the 60s, you still think yourself bulletproof. So I'm, I'm up cleaning out the gutters uh, of, on the house. And we're very remote here. So, you know, I've got to do these things. And I'm about five metres off ground. And the ladder slipped. <laughs> and, like, it went, the ladder went through all these uh, louver windows. There's glass everywhere. And I'm on the ground in a screaming heap. And at the time, I couldn't feel anything below my neck. <laughs> but I remember distinctly thinking, Stephen, and I'll leave out the adjectives, you are in trouble here. <laughs> and it was fortunate that I, it was a Saturday morning, and my wife happened to be here uh, this morning. And normally she's not, so the gods were to favour, because otherwise, you know, I would have been dead for certain. She come to my rescue, and and uh, he, here we stand. All is all is well physically, but that experience, from that experience, uh, and during the period of rehabilitation, I'm on a couch. I'm good for nothing. I can barely move. You know, I can barely get up. And what happened? What happened? I had this the t- this title going in my head, the afterlife, the journey too, and it's pounding away. And I knew what it was, uh, you know, like the universe sort of saying, hey, there's, I've got something for you. But prior to the, the accident, I'd shut down from any sort of writing. I'd retired. I said, I'm done. Leave me alone. I'm going to start planting tomatoes in the garden. <laughs> but this... It was like a, such a compelling 
impulse uh, 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 with this title. Uh, and so eventually I've said, okay, I'm in. I'll, I'll write this thing. But the afterlife, what do I know? I, I'm just a regular dude. Uh, I know nothing. And Dave, I've got to tell you that from that point of choice, what happened was I, 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 I sat down to write. I had no idea, no storyboard, no character, nothing. And as soon as I started to write, it's like I, I saw the, the colours, heard the music, and the, like I was seeing through this character's eyes, and I'm seeing what he's seeing. And so, I'm, quite frankly, I'm, I'm taking dictation, doing my best to describe what I what I saw, and this character uh, took me through these different levels of the heavenly realms, like the higher ones and <laughs> the lower ones, which we can talk about. But but that's how it transpired, and and I've got to tell you, the writing process, oh, four weeks, if that. You know, really, and oh, extraordinarily quick. And every time I sat, I had, I never had an idea where the story was going. I never knew where it was taking me. But I trusted implicitly that whatever was to come, I and I just did my best to describe the things that I saw and heard. Well, you know what, I I, I can understand where you would actually bang this out on the keyboard very, very quickly because this is one of those topics that floors all of us because there's only a couple of things in life that we are all going to experience taxes and death. Okay. The rest (laughs) is the rest is a unique train that we are on that takes us down so many different paths that we choose, you know, but I, I can understand where you would, you would catch that, that fathom, that, that, or grasp that topic and just run with it because after your accident, feeling mortal for the first time in a long time, you know, you had to probably, you know, come to grips with, with your own mind and your own body and Mm -hmm. your own soul that, you know, you're Mm -hmm. not only, you're not a kid anymore, but you're on the downslope of what we call life. And, and that sucks to realize that it really does. I don't mean to say that in a dampering way, but it's, there's a reality oh. to it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it, it's, it's, it's great that you mentioned that because there's, there's a, I call it a relativity to it. You know, say before the incident, before the accident, I shut down and said, no more, I'm done. But life as it, as it's want says, uh, uh-uh, Stephen, <laughs> Here's a pathway if you so choose. You can choose to write this book, what I will, what you'll be given, or you can go and plant tomatoes. And go. As a nurse, the one thing you don't do is stand still. You're always going, doing, helping, thinking, solving, saving. Your nursing career shouldn't stand still either. Post University can help you move it forward from RN to BSN, from BSN to MSN, even from MSN to DNP. Learn more about our accredited programs at post.edu. Start taking steps toward an advanced degree. Apply now to Post University. Post makes it personal.
Sunbelt Federal Credit Union wants to brighten your financial future with a gift of high-yield savings. With just a $500 minimum deposit and a 10-month certificate, earn 5.40% annual percentage yield, or for 18 months, earn 5.60% APY. So go ahead, brighten your future with a gift of high-yield savings. Stop by any Sunbelt office or visit sunbeltfcu.org. Celebrate the season with smart savings. Sunbelt Federal Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA. Doesn't matter, but you choose. So I made that choice. And Dave, I've got to thank the gods, <laughs> thank the gods that I did, because it has changed so much the way I view things and hopefully have impact on the, the loved one, you know, the people around me, the uh, you know, my wife and children and family and things. And, you know, what I do now is I talk to really nice people on podcasts about it because it's a message that needs to be told. It, well, it, what message is there? I mean, we're going to die. I mean, there is there is no message really <laughs> outside of that, Stephen. We're going to die, man. And, and, you know, I hate yeah, yeah. I hate to sound, you know, joking about it, but, you know, I, I just – I have a lot of troubles with this subject. I'm not a religious man, but I have a a very strong spiritual connection to God and and my own personal being. and And I know, you know, well, let's just face it. In life, there's a couple things we get ripped off of. Number one, dogs never last as long as they should. Okay, <laughs> they never do. And number two, we don't last as long as we should. Okay, like, I understand that we're the only species in the universe that we know of that actually worries about time. We never have enough time. We're always saying, man, if there was just an extra hour in the day or an extra week or an extra day in the week or an extra day in the month, you know, I could get more done. We, you know, we're the only ones who worry about time. But let's face it. 80 years on average is not a long time. And you would think with our technological advances and and whatever else that we have, yes, there are things that are holding us back, whether it is technology or pharmaceuticals or, or any other of the conspiracy theories that are out there. But 80 years on average is not a lot of time to be here. I agree. You know, I'd like to go biblical where, you know, give me three, four, five hundred years. You know, I'm, I'm good with that. I could do a lot of partying in that time. Okay. I could get it. I could, you know, by the time I'm like 499, I could say I got it out of my system. Okay. But, but realistically, everything's a rush. You know, you rush to get through childhood. You rush to get through your teenage years, which are the most brutal. You rush through, uh, you know, your 20s. You don't enjoy them enough because you, you have to start a career, maybe go to college or start work, and then you meet somebody and you think, okay, now i got to maybe start a family or get married or i got to buy that car, and now I'm in debt, now I'm locked in, and, and everything just kind of rambles and rolls on into predictability. Hmm. Tell me about this. Dave, I've got to tell you um, – the, the unique experience for me in, in the writing process, first of all, was the knowledge. So, you know, having 
downloaded all this stuff and written about it and then subsequently researched and all that sort of stuff, I, I have a lot more knowledge now than I did prior to the writing process. But to me, that's, that's not the crux of it. The crux of the knowledge comes when we translate that knowledge into into making this life a much preferred place, to making better use of our time, as as an example. Um, and let me give you direct experience of that very recent experience. Uh, and it was about, it was April this year, uh, I, I lost my beautiful mother. Now, she was in her 80s and, you know, um, but, but she was such a beautiful being, and and ever since child, ever since I was knee high to a grasshopper, I always thought, like when you go, I'm not hanging around. I'm not staying in this place. It's too hard. <laughs> but now, with upon her passing, one feels grief for the loss. She's not here in the physical, but consequential of what I've learnt through the writing process uh, about what happens to us in, in the afterlife, that knowledge has now become experiential because I I know where she's gone. I know the level, like she's kind of up there with the highest. I know where to find her in this place in in here. And I know how to contact her. That, that bond, that love, that bridge is never broken. And it's, it's, it's so one feels grief for the loss, but that grief becomes not debilitating, but becomes totally empowering. It says, Stephen, you're an old dude now, but you've got more to do. Get out, get on with it, go do, you know, go forward, write your book, talk to people, you know, all good. That, to me, is totally empowering and not debilitating. So you're right in describing, you know, finding that knowledge that about the afterlife can be a bit scary. But the key, I think, is to translate that knowledge, that understanding into making this life a better place for ourselves and our kin, our loved ones, our families, country and the like. I think that's the key to it. I can see where you were going with that. I lost my mother in June. And four days after I lost my mom, I lost my two dogs. Had to put them down. It was a rough week. It was a very rough week. But, you know, I I do believe that there is an afterlife. Um, I I could tell you, and my audience has heard this story. I'll I'll tell you this story of what happened. The day before my mother passed, we knew it was close. And we were all kind of gathering in her, her hospice room. And... She was sitting in her wheelchair. I was standing kind of to the left of her shoulder. uh, And um, my two sisters were sitting on her bed. And my mom was facing out the window. And she's having this conversation. So my sister, my eldest sister says, Hey, mom, who are you talking to? And she says the name Bryce, which is her grandchild, my nephew, my eldest sister's only child who passed away in 2018 from a fentanyl overdose. And my sister immediately is like, 
what? Where? Where is he? Where is he? And I, uh, me being a little intuitive, I kind of looked over at my sister and I said, told you, right? I knew he was going to be there. And the following day, we all got to say goodbye. We had the luck. We had the lucky. Um, I should say we got we got very lucky and fortunate because we all got to say goodbye. My last words to my mother were, "I love you," you know. And, and not a lot of people get that, and I'm very fortunate for that. Beautiful. And you know, my mother got to meet my grandson, who uh, she hadn't met as of yet, and she got to meet him the day before and give him a, a life load of kisses on his cheeks. So that way, you know, it, it was just, a, it was a beautiful moment. But the next morning, I got delayed getting to her her place, and my father got delayed because he had to do and run an errand for my grandmother. And two minutes, I just pulled into the parking lot, my phone rings, and it's my sister saying, Mom is gone. And I looked at that. I ran down that hallway and I was mad because I wanted to be there. But then I realized I wasn't supposed to be there. She chose for me not to be there Mm -hmm. because number one, we thought we were going to lose her previous October. We were all called down. And then my son came running into her hospital bed and said, hi, grandma. I'm here. I love you. And and it sparked my mom again. It was like those go. chest compressions. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And my father just wouldn't let her go. So she could. She knew my son was with me. She knew my father wouldn't let her leave. And it was the perfect opportunity. My sister is there. My eldest sister is there. She, my eld- knowing that my nephew is there spiritually in the room. My sister never got to say goodbye to my to his or to her son, and I believe that her son was in there to take my mother to help my mother cross over, and my sister was there holding my mother's hands while she passed. It was the perfect scenario. Beautiful, yeah, yeah. You know, and not a lot of people get that, but that's the way I'm taking it. I yeah, could be completely lovely. wrong, but I truly believe I'm 100% right. Oh, I'm certain that you are. The, uh, and the key for me, Dave, is love is a bridge. There, with that, and that, that's a connection that can't be broken. So, uh, and uh, to me, it means that they are always there. Yeah, uh, and I mentioned before, like with me and my mum, you know, she's more powerful now than she ever was in the physical, because, and one can call on her and say, hey, mum, I'm in trouble. What do I do? <laughs> and, you know, there's some answer, some assistance going to be given. I'm, I'm certain that's the way it works. On this journey, we got two minutes to go before we got to go to break at the bottom of the hour. This journey that you put yourself on, what did you learn about yourself? Rick Stevens for Oceans Behavioral Hospital. Kim, tell us about Oceans. Oceans Behavioral Hospital supports children and older adults managing anxiety, depression, and other mental health issues with dignity and compassion. We're committed to guiding each patient from diagnosis through discharge, ensuring they receive the best care for their individual needs. Inpatient mental health treatment provides 24-7 support, while our outpatient programs offer flexibility, allowing patients to maintain their daily routine. To learn more, visit oceans2below.com. 
Want to give yourself a great gift for the holidays? Make your money work for you with Sunbelt Federal Credit Union. Sunbelt offers a 10-month certificate earning 5.40% annual percentage yield, or for 18 months earn 5.60% APY, with just a $500 minimum deposit for both certificates. Visit a Sunbelt branch office today or go to sunbeltfcu.org. Sunbelt Federal Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA. Through this. Ah, it's a very good question. Two things, Dave. Uh, uh, the first one and most important, you know, say I'm in, I'm 66 now, so, you know, grey hair and, you know, it'd be nice to be sitting under a tree with a can of beer in hand. But uh, that's not the way of it now. My, you know, the, it's like, uh, it's a reignition, a reignition of purpose. You know, it fires you up and says, get out there and do something, Stephen. You know, talk to people. Uh, but the other really, really important thing for me is I now have no fear, no fear of the of passing. So when it is my time, it, you know, I hold no fear for the transition because I, I, I'm fully aware of what, uh, subsequent to writing this book, uh, of what happens yeah, uh, through the, through the transition and when and into the heavenly realms so it's taken it's it's stripped away fear which is kind of pretty cool (laughs) i i can see that and not only learning that about yourself what have you learned about other people because the one thing that i've learned including with my father is a lot of people from those older generations either a never knew how to live or b forgot how to live Mm. Yes, and isn't that interesting? Um, because now one's perspective has changed. I mean, I, I, whereas before, my tendency was to look at somebody else and judge them through a like or a dislike or a good or a bad. And whilst I still have traces of that, you know, you can look at another person through the prism of divine you know that they're also a, also a divine spark of the universal well, if I can put it that way. So, yeah, you, uh, you don't judge. Don't don't judge so much anymore, but rather accept one as they are. And that opens up a whole new uh, opportunity for discussion and, and experience. Stephen, hold on right there. We are going to go to break here. At the bottom of the hour, we are in a great conversation tonight with author author Stephen Paul Chong. His book on Amazon, The Afterlife, A Journey to Now You Know What Will Happen, can be found right now. You want to check it on out? It has many answers to life after death. We'll be right back. All right, we are clear. Hello, Mr. Cowley. How you doing, bud? Ozzy Ange, nice to see you. You having fun yet? Steven? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. I thought you were talking to one of your listeners. Oh, yeah, no. all good. We're all fine, champion. Excellent. Yeah. Short singlets and flip-flops. That's the Aussie way right there. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is a habit. Hard to get out of mm-hmm. for nothing. Until some pit viper comes up and crawls up your leg. 
Mm-hmm. I didn't tell you about the experience with the pythons, dear. I, I, perhaps I better not. Oh, go ahead. Why not? I mean, everything kills you over there, so it's okay. I'm surprised you're alive right now. <laughs> well, I've got to tell you, a, a, a number of years ago, when the kids were a bit younger, uh, we, we we made the mistake of, of building a chicken coop, and we put some chickens in there, as you do. What we didn't figure was that trick, the chickens, of course, attract snakes and and one morning the 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 kids have gone down there to feed the chickens from outside luckily from outside the coop and inside this chicken coop is this huge like he he oh, i can't see it thick big oh six seven foot amethyst python no <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he'd had lunch of course he'd eaten a couple of chickens so he was he was quite content to hang around, just lie there. And and Tarzan Chong here at the time had to get him out. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> See, a python I know isn't, isn't, you just got to make sure it doesn't wrap around you. Much like a yeah. boa constrictor. It's not poisonous, but it has one hell of a bite, mm. you know. But either way, no, no. Yeah, there are others that, uh, and I think they're very territorial. So not in this area where we are, but there are others up a bit for, like towards Mariba, uh, where you get. I think they're called taipans, and they they are to be avoided. Very deadly brown snakes, taipans. Yeah, well, yeah, let's just go there. let's just look at Australia's ten most <laughs> dangerous snakes, shall we? All right, uh, what do we got here? We got the eastern brown snake. That's number one. Number two, it's cousin the western brown snake. And then, well, let's go mainland a little bit for the tiger snake. Then the inland taipan. Yeah, there's on your list. Then the coastal taipan. Oh, well, then the mulga snake. I've never even heard of this damn thing. Um, yeah, then the lowlands copperhead. Oh, that's always fun. And uh, number eight, the small-eyed snake. Yep. It's only 50 centimeters, so that could fit in your shoe. You wouldn't even know. <laughs> well, you would, he wouldn't be able to see you, so there's no problem yeah, with that. Yeah, it's going to bite your toe and you're going to die. Uh, let's see. The common death adder, because, you know, that's a nice name. Oh, that's a nice name. Yeah, yeah. And then this gorgeous one called the red-bellied black snake. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think we get a few of those around yeah. here somewhere. Oh, yeah. God. Oh, scaring the shit out of myself right now. <laughs> a price of living in paradise, I think it's called, Dave. Yeah, uh, one second here. Uh, welcome, Brian Dodd, to SOR Chat. We don't talk politics in our room, so if you want to hang out, you are more than welcome to. Just have some fun and enjoy the woo, my man. All right. Yeah. Yeah, and they're all mean. You know, let let's talk about the let's talk about the crocodiles in the little river that goes past your house. Let's talk about the bull sharks that go swimming up there. <laughs> you know? I mean, you're not safe. We haven't even got into the freaking spiders yet. No, no. Yeah, we don't, yeah, mm. Mm. yeah. Some of them are rather large. We get a couple around here. Not frequently, but yeah, we've we've the the, the huntsman ones. There, I'm like 
they could get a better figure as your palm. Yeah. No. No, no. No. Uh here here's Ange for you. Yes. Uh, I'm doing my best, Ange, to represent the Aussies. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I met Ange last year in Las Vegas, her and her husband. Awesome people. Awesome people. Big thank you to Mennonite Abe and Simon Times 2 for the super chats. It's a wonderful way to support what we do on this show. Remember, our store is open on our website. We do not have ugly swag, people. No ugly swag. And here we go with the second half hour coming up right now. Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, you can check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do me the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Now, we continue on with author and researcher Stephen Chong, who has a book out on Amazon called The Afterlife, A Journey to. Now you will know what will happen. All right, let's take us through this. All right, Stephen. We're going to look into your book here, find out, because apparently we're going to learn to know what will happen. So Stephen, all of a sudden, Stephen being you, all of a sudden, right now during this interview, conks out, dies. What's happening, man? What's going on with you now? Uh, I tell you where it, where, it, where it starts, Dave, as I understand it, is, and, and by way of background, let me just describe what I saw through the writing process that'll 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 help with the understanding. I saw these mists hmm, uh, like a, a and they were like a purgatory and when which we we all pass through and in which our life review occurs so it's where it's like and this is as I understand it is not God's wrath judgment you know saying you're a good boy you're a bad boy you know doesn't work like that but it, it, it's like looking in the mirror of, of reflection you did this in life you did not do this this is you know what you what you did to others what you caused to curiosity stream is the streaming service for people who want to know more and now check out curiosity's new series the real wild west rolling stone magazine says it's the history of the west they usually don't teach you the mythology of the west left out a lot of the people people said they'd never seen a black cowboy this is the history book but did you know about these other facts watch the real wild west now on curiosity stream with monthly annual and bundled plans find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com
Rick Stevens for Oceans Behavioral Hospital. Kim, tell us about Oceans. Oceans Behavioral Hospital supports children and older adults managing anxiety, depression, and other mental health issues with dignity and compassion. We're committed to guiding each patient from diagnosis through discharge, ensuring they receive the best care for their individual needs. Inpatient mental health treatment provides 24-7 support, while our outpatient programs offer flexibility, allowing patients to maintain their daily routine. To learn more, visit OceansTupelo.com. Affecting others. And my, and from there, what I, again, what I saw and did my best to describe is we then come through, I, I saw the, like a portal, and souls were exiting this portal, and I was looking like from a hilltop and seeing all these souls coming out of this portal. And they're dressed in like full-length robes. And the colour of the robes is consequential of the review that's occurred. Now, let me make sense of that. Some souls I saw coming through this portal were dressed in beautiful white shimmering gold type, you know, robes. And then they followed pathways upwards to to wherever. But there were others that come through this portal that were dressed in mm, uh, dark brown, hessian, sort of yucky colours. My understanding is, based on the review, what you've done, the consequences of what you've done in life determines the pathway that you take into the heavenly realms. And it is, like I saw one soul who was dressed in this like darky, browny type, really black type colours, and they tried to go upwards to higher levels and they were not able and they they tried two or three times but were were unable to do it and then there was eventually they've recognized and they had to follow a pathway sort of downwards into mm, lower levels nether regions if you will um now whether one believes it that's 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 what i saw and that's how i did my best to describe but the the this portal that is actually where we do this life review is where we come face to face with what we have done or not done in 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 our earthly in our earthly garb. The the law, as I understand it, is what you have caused to affect in another determines your place in heaven. So if I do bad things to you, for example, or to lots of people, then I will endure the consequence. To do bad things with intent, so if I, uh, and that then determines where I go in the heavenly realms. It doesn't matter on your spirituality. Doesn't matter on your religion or whether you're agnostic or atheist. No, that's a very good question. And you mentioned before, and I'm I'm with you. I'm not a never have been a religious man. Not not even close. Spiritual, yes, but uh, I have no religion. And one of the other laws that I uh, uh, learned was the em- in heaven, the emperor wears no clothes. 
<laughs> so doesn't matter your your station in life, whether you're a king or a prince or a pauper or uh, or a religious figurehead, for example, is what you have caused to affect in others with intent that determines your place in heaven. So, uh, uh, again, doesn't matter whether you, if you're a king or or or, or pauper, it is what you have done to another or others that declares your place in heaven. Who does the sorting? Or what does the sorting? Ah, that's a very good question. Uh, I, the, I am certain that it, this again is not uh, like a uh, like a god or a master sitting there in judgment of us. This is not the way it works. It is like looking in a mirror of reflection to see what we have we have done. The one of one of the laws, one of the other laws, is uh, you know we are all one in spirit. So what you have done to yourself, what, what you have done to another, you do to yourself. So if I cause you harm, uh, I'm the one that would uh, endure the consequence of same. So it is not somebody passing a judgment on us. It is us reflected upon our own, on our own existence, as I understand it. What about animals? Oh, now, that's a very good question. People ask me that before. Um I do not know. In in the in this writing, I did not see animals. Um, the only thing I can add to that is uh, uh, is a bit of knowledge, and that I understand that we again love is a self. We love an, the other. Uh, if we loved an animal in life, then that bond would still be there. But that's as much as I can tell you. Uh, I, I did not see animals through the writing of this book. Did it matter the age? If you, no. Because one of the issues that I have with a lot of this stuff is I, I think it's life is very unfair. You know, and, and I know that if I get my chance to stand in front of God and ask him, um, and ask him, you know, like cancer in children – Spina bifida, mentally handicapped. What were you thinking here? Children who who, oh. who get abused. Okay, I have a real. If anything makes me, you know, question my spirituality, it's questions like that that just absolutely anger me. You know. Oh, I hate you. You know. So where did where did you come come to a conclusion on situations like that? Oh, I hear you profoundly. Dave, I'll, I'll, let me take you to a place that I, I was taken to in the writing of this book. And ev- even now, I get tingles down the spine when I think of it. I got taken, and I'm with a guide. So, yeah, and remember, I'm seeing through this character, and the character's name was Athar. So I'm seeing through his eyes, and we're with a guide. And we get taken into this building. And don't think like a house this is greco-roman architecture beautiful marble alabaster type structure and i remember walking into this building and dave i've got to tell you that as soon as i walked in the love that i felt 
when walking into this building was so, so profound. It was like putting on a warm blanket in on a cold night. And and we walked into this place and there was there were many rooms. And in the rooms there were these beautiful angelic beings, mostly dressed in like blue or don't don't Ask me why blue, but mostly dressed in blue colour. And they were tending to babes in arms, fledglings, children. And they were tending to them with such loving care. And and even now, I say, I, I feel the love that was there when I walked into this place and did my best to describe it. And what I... Now understand, and I, you know, I turn to the guide and say, what, like, what is this place? And every, what that was told was every child, every child that leaves Earth fr- on, from the Earth plan early is so beautifully nurtured by the Heavenly Father and his angelic hosts. No child, no child is left without beautiful nurture from these angelic beings. And every child, every soul child, is brought to the prime of their spiritual well-being in this place. Even if the bond between the parent and the child was mm, not strong, fractious, if you will, Every child is beautifully nurtured by the Heavenly Father and his angelic hosts. Dave, I've got to tell you, that was, I mean, there were many sort of instances like that, but that was one of the most profound parts of this journey that I went on, to see and feel and experience that that place. And, and whilst, uh, thank the gods, I've never... Um, had the experience of losing a child of three beautiful grown-up boys. But to know that if one loses a child early, to know that they are so beautifully nurtured by the Heavenly Father and his hosts and the love between parent and, 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 and offspring is there, is, is never broken. The, the love is sort of like a, like a bond. Uh, that cannot be broken. Now that might, you know, might not take a, you know, the, the grief one would feel for the loss of a child. I, I, I can only under, begin to understand. But to know that that child's soul is so beautifully nurtured is a boon to that grief. Now, and I understand that, you know, but like I said, part of my argument is why are, you know, it, you know this is a question that I have for God, okay, why are children put in those situations? If, if they are so innocent. Curiosity Stream is the streaming service for people who want to know more. And now check out Curiosity's new series, Queens of Ancient Egypt. When pharaohs held the throne, their wives held the power. We see her taking precedence over the pharaoh, an absolute mastermind. All hail the queens. This is unprecedented. Watch Queens of Ancient Egypt now on Curiosity Stream with monthly, annual, and bundled plans. Find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com.
Rick Stevens here for Ocean's Behavioral Hospital. October is National Substance Abuse Prevention Month. Kim has more. Substance abuse affects millions in the United States, yet more than 93% go without treatment. Substance abuse doesn't discriminate based on age, gender, race, or economics, but neither does recovery. The road to wellness is possible at any stage, and we believe everyone deserves support, compassion, and treatment. For more information, visit OceansTupelo.com. Sent so pure, the future of humanity, the betterment of humanity, why are they put in those positions? But that's just me. That's just me being angry at the whole death thing. Okay, but I understand with what you're saying, you know, and and I actually have an example for you. One night, my partner and I, when when my son was an infant, he was sleeping, you know, he might have been two months old, three months old. And faintly, we hear on his baby monitor. You are so precious. You are so beautiful. I love you. You are just so precious. You sleep now, little one. And I walked in there, and I felt the presence of a woman. And intuitively speaking, this woman said to me, I'm his guardian angel. My job is to take care of babies. She goes, I will leave him after such and such a a time, you know, because my job will be done and I'll move on. To other babies, but to hear this, this calming, beautiful, soothing voice over the intercom of the baby monitors, it was amazing. How amazing is that? Yeah, 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 yeah wonderful life experience. Yes, and that I mean, that, it, it, what you, what you've experienced dovetails into what we're talking about. Hey, and Dave, I've got to tell you. One of the other places I was taken to was actually in the same building, marble, Greco-Romani type architecture, was, a, was an actual school for guardian angels. Oh, wow. Where, yeah, where they were, uh, and again, got taken in, it was like a lecture theatre, if you will, where angel souls are taught how to be guardian angels. And we we all have them. We uh, I think I think two, but the, uh, I can't be sure. In in the in the writing, I, I, I saw two, but there might be more. But that their souls are trained specific souls by choice, if they wish to, are trained to be guardian angels and to uh, and are there for us all the time. No, because there is no time and space in this heavenly realm. There's just experience. So they're with us all the time. So we are able in times of need or otherwise to call upon them. Um, I think that's pretty cool. Because uh, you can say, hey, I'm, I'm help. <laughs> I need some help. And to, but the, the knowledge is to know that they'll be there, to, to listen, not think. I think thinking gets in the way, but to listen for their presence. Because uh, can you help me? I need help, and then it becomes to me a listening process to know that they'll come out with, and we get that inspiration, that you know, that that uh, prodding to say, "Oh, I've got to go and do this," or or you hear the words on the on, on the speakerphone. That's our guardian 
angels talking to us. I believe you. I totally believe you in regards to that. You know, the idea that we all have guardian angels, have you met yours? I Yes, I, I know I know they're there. I can't say specifically. I can't call them a name. But I, I'm one of these kooky guys that sort of, I tune in. I don't. I try not to think my way through a problem. You know, I'm a practical sort of guy. You know, you know, I see things in practical terms. But now I'm learning to better trust that intuitive process. To say, ask like ask a, a, a constructive question. What do I do in this? How do I fix this? Where do I go for help? And then, rather than trying to think it out. I will listen for that intuitive response, that prod that comes in and you go, oh, yeah, i got that, and then follow that through. Hey, and, Dave, I've got to tell you one other thing. Uh, a lot of that occurs in the sleeping process. When we sleep, we are intimately connected with, with the divine, and there are spirit guides over there waiting to help us. Uh, so we need when we ask a like a constructive question, what do I do about that? Before we go to sleep, oft times, and I'm sure you've had the experience where we wake up in the middle of the night or in the morning and go, "Oh, I got that. Oh, I know the answer," and you've got to write it down or do something. But that's when the thinking mind is shut down, and that connection with the divine is is all paramount. <sighs> Such a deep topic. Such a oh, deep absolutely. topic. Let me, Dave, let me just describe that a bit further for your listeners. Uh, and remember, I'm seeing through this character's eyes, and I'm doing my best to describe it in with the limitations of words. But what I saw were I was standing on top of a hilltop looking down, and there was this massive uh, souls on this in this dale and to the side were these with the mists I described before and across the mists over not through the mists were these silver cords and they were these silver cords were connected to some of the souls on this dale and they were in communication with others and like we walked down amongst them and I turned to the guide person like what is this place and what was described was when we're asleep this our soul our soul our spirit can go over across across the mist not through because of mist like this when when the 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 silver cord is severed then we're dead we can't come back but we meet up with uh, like a guardian angel or a loved one, a kin, a parent that that is there to help us, guide us with a with whatever dilemma we're facing in life. And then when when the when the conversation finished, that that's I saw the soul sort of go back over the mist and obviously back into their body. But that's that's what I saw and that's how I described it. What is your thoughts on reincarnation? 
Oh, now that's a very good question. We got three minutes to go before we got to go to break at the top of the hour. Uh, I can tell you, Dave, that in the book, with within the book, I, I did not see anything to do with reincarnation. There was nothing described to me about past lives and stuff. Now I'm a firm believer in in reincarnation. In fact, I'm just reading a book that really described it so well. Um, but in the afterlife, in the writing of the book, there was nothing described to me about the process of reincarnation. So I can't describe that to you through the prism of what I what I learned through the writing of the book, because it wasn't there. But you know, I could talk to you about it through what I believe, but that is not reflected in the afterlife because it wasn't described to me in well, that in that medium. Well, what's your personal belief on it then? Oh, I think it's a, it's an absolute uh, a, a part of our part of the makeup of our spiritual growth. Uh, we we evolve through the learning process of what we do and discover in this life, and if there's more to do, um, there. Uh, and I think karmic debt comes into this play a little bit, um, that we have to come back and we, we choose to come back and and learn some more. So I think it's uh, to deny its existence is a fallacy. Uh, it's, it's very much part of our existence. Very nice. And, and do you believe that it happens on all all societies, all ranges of people, rather than just people who believe in Hinduism or Buddhism? Yeah, I'm I'm certain of that, Dave. Yeah, I I, I don't I, I don't believe there are any uh, delineations of religiosity in in the realm of reincarnation. It, it, if it works for one, it's got to work for another. It um, that's the way I see it. I, I'm certain that's the case. Well, that's exciting. I mean, where do you think, or what do you think the turnaround time is? Ah, now that's interesting. Again, I cannot because I've been reading about this just just at the very minute, uh, and what, um, from a book called Seth Speaks. Uh, if people are interested in that, but it was described that that some souls choose to come back quickly, others take prefer to go out like hang out in the spiritual heavenly realms before they come down. So, I'd, time uh, is as I understand it from this uh, reading, it is dependent on choice and what one has to learn. Very interesting. When we come back from the break, we're going to get to some audience questions here for you, Stephen, because I know my audience loves being part of the show and they are going to have some great questions for you about life, death, the afterlife, what you've learned over time, and we are going to learn a little bit more from you. Stephen Chong, his book on Amazon right now, The Afterlife, A Journey to Now You Know What Will Happen. You can get it right now while you're waiting for the show to return. Spaced Out Radio continues with hour number two right after this. Good evening, Cosmic Fleur, Allegory, or Algoray over on Twitch. Welcome. All right. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break here, Stephen. 
I'm going to refill my sure. water and everything. So I will be right back in a couple of minutes. I'm going to put you back in the green room, okay? Cheers, Dave. Be right back, guys. Forbidden history, grisly ghosts, monstrous cryptids, and harrowing folklore dominate Japan's history and culture. Mysterious Japan is a bi-weekly podcast presenting these spine-chilling horror stories, urban legends, and unbelievable histories in a campfire story format. Many of these tales have never been presented in English before. Our journey takes place where dark history and supernatural folklore collide. Mysterious Japan is produced, written, and translated by recognized Japan expert Dr. Heath Having. Season 1 relates the unbelievable legends and ghost stories from the so-called suicide forest. Listen to Mysterious Japan for free on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at our website at themysteriousjapan.com and be transported by unbelievable stories where the lines between reality and folklore become blurred in the shadowlands of Japan. Once again, that's themysteriousjapan.com.
Right. I am back. Dirty Filth promises he'll be back drawing cartoons here in the next little bit. Hey, Dave, you're a great man. You're a night owl. I would be well asleep by the time. <laughs> oh, I got another three hours to go, my man. Oh, my goodness. I could barely make it past nine o'clock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, you get used to it. What sucks is waking up. <laughs> I want to say quickly hello to Susan Alloway. How are you? Uh, Bama Bigfoot, boom to you. Toeclan, thanks for coming on in. Hi, Dirty Filth. You're looking very dirty tonight. Who else jumped in here late? Let's see here. You guys still didn't move my chair when I'm gone, did you? All right. Uh, big thank you to Zaddy, Mennonite Abe, and Simon Times 2 for the super chats. Very much appreciate the love. Thank you. Yes, this is my concert shirt from a couple weeks ago now. That was great. And, uh, yeah, we're having, uh, we're having a good time here. Having a good time. All right, here we go, everybody. Hour two coming up next, right now. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. They'll always be free at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Only thing I want in return, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Umbel. Umbel is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on the Space Travelers Club on Patreon. We continue on with our great guest tonight from Australia, the author of The Afterlife, A Journey to Now You Know What Will Happen. Our good friend Stephen Chong is here with us. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, David, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, it's a fascinating first hour. Let's see if we can do same in second. Oh, I'm sure we will be able to very much so. Where do you stand on the consciousness connection with death? 
again, very profound question that to me, and again, understanding and learning now subsequent to writing this book is, is, a, is a paradigm shift. I always kind of understood that like we were this physical presence and out there somewhere was this soul, <laughs> you know, up there or wherever. But the way I see it now is that we are a soul manifest, manifested in, in a physical body. So, you know, that, that we, we are an inter- integral part, an intimate part of the spiritual realm. There is no, to me, there is no separation. We can think there's separation, but I, I'm certain that there isn't. Um, in fact, I've got to tell you, one of the laws that I, I found in this, embedded in the text, says that if ever there was a separation between the divine and his children, God's love would not exist. Uh, and to me, that says a lot. You know, we we are a part of this. We are a spiritual being with a physical manifestation, and and love is the bridge to to all. Now that sounds fairly profound, uh, and doesn't mitigate challenges and difficulties we have, but it certainly helps. Okay, so let let's talk then about the consciousness because. Do you believe consciousness is eternal, much like the soul? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a simple answer is yes. There, there, it, when 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 we pass over to the next realm, we we it's what I said is we re- return to ourselves. We this body is no longer, you know, it's got old and feeble and doesn't work quite so well anymore. Um, so back we go, but the the. Our, our eternal life continues. Absolutely. Curiosity Stream is the streaming service for people who want to know more. And now check out Curiosity's new series, Queens of Ancient Egypt. When pharaohs held the throne, their wives held the power. We see her taking precedence over the pharaoh, an absolute mastermind. All hail the queens. This is unprecedented. Watch Queens of Ancient Egypt now on Curiosity Stream with monthly, annual, and bundled plans. Find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com. It's a gift from Sunbelt Federal Credit Union, a holiday loan with no payments for 60 days. Get a great rate on a loan for the holidays, then make no payments until next year. Visit sunbeltfcu.org to apply. The holiday loan special is good through December 2023. Rates and terms may vary, and your actual rate will be based on your credit history. Interest will accrue from the time your loan is closed, and processing fees and underwriting guidelines do apply. Sunbelt Federal Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA. Where do we go? Ah, now there's a very good question. The, uh, you know, I mentioned before we pass through this review period and we get dressed in these robes. Uh, and I, I've got to tell you, Dave, that I got taken to a, a number of places and I'll, I'll do my best to just – one was really like up there to the higher levels, the uh, rarefied realms. And I also got shown mm, uh, what I call the nether regions. Um, and I'll, 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 st- I'll start with the lower one. Um, 
again with a guide, got taken through this uh, expanse. It's like a uh, a field that had been like in a bushfire, you know, that acrid smell and everything's burnt and charred. A horrible, horrible place. And we, we walked through. The, there was this huge portal. Now, people might think I'm in drugs when I describe this, but I couldn't make this, this up in 100 years. But this is what I saw. Uh, and there was this huge portal and we entered and it said me and this, this guide. And there were these angelic uh, beings standing next to these huge vortices, like a spinning, spinning vort- vortexes of vortices of power. And there were these souls trapped inside. <laughs> and it was like horrible. And they're trying to clamber out. Some of them were trying to clamber out, but others are pulling them down. And I, and I turn, remember turning to this guy and saying, this is a horrible place. What, what is this? And what was described to me was this is not God's judgment. You don't get put into these places just because you're like you're a bad dude. These, are vortices, uh, these vortices of power entrap souls by choice. And think of the, the seven deadly sins, uh, lust, greed, envy, wrath, and I can't think of the others, uh, uh, gluttony, probably one I've missed. They trap the soul by choice. And it's only until the soul is able to uh, be contrite, to repent, if you will, that they are then taken from this this clasp of this power and then taken away into the heavenly realms Uh, it was such again I couldn't make it up even if I was on the deepest of drugs I couldn't make this stuff but that's what I saw Um, but souls were entrapped by their own choice in these power vortices and it was not until they could become were contrite enough to say whatever like I'm sorry then the end, the angel souls were there to take them away. Um, that was the, and I called it the nether regions, um, and that was the, obviously the lower levels. But then I got taken up to, uh, like a, like a rarefied atmosphere. It was like going up. Um, how do I describe this? The in the arms of this guide were taken up to this higher level, and it was like meeting resistance and this guide had to take me up there because I, I wasn't sort of, well, I wouldn't say permitted but my soul wasn't ready and I got shown uh, or, or met up with a a grand master <laughs> and Dave I've got to tell you what's interesting apart from anything else about this experience was every every soul I met through this journey straight away I would ask a question and go what's your name and I get an answer I, I'd like I'd have the name in my head and I wrote it down and this soul this master soul I asked three times what's your name and I never got a response not <laughs> three times asking and three times I didn't get a response so in the book I've called him just 
the master. But we we ended this oh, huge uh, edifice, beautiful Greco Roman art, marble alabaster, and this this master was a like he was in the prime of his life. wasn't like old with long beard or any of that sort of stuff. He was in the prime of spiritual life, and we laughed. And he showed me, took me to a mountain place, and we overlooked uh, the this vast expanse of of the heavenly realm. It was like looking at the light. And I heard Dave, I heard the the light, the colours. I can't forget the colours of the seven colours of the rainbow. This was tenfold. And the music, the music was everything, was part of everything, this beautiful angelic music. Now, I'm not musically inclined, but I did my best to describe it in the book. And he showed me the vast expanse of of this heavenly realm, uh, a wonder to behold. But there's a sort of, that was like the highest, there might be more after that, I, I don't know, I wasn't shown. But that was the highest one I was shown. And then there was these nether regions, which I'd say, if if seeing that does not turn you away from errant choice, <laughs> I don't know what will. And Dave, I've got to tell you, if if that knowledge that you know, like bring it back to the earthly existence, say if you continue on this pathway, Stephen, if you make these errant choices, this is what potentially it's going to happen if that doesn't turn you away from errant choice i don't know what will <laughs> that's unbelievable let's get to some audience questions here as they are starting to build up let's start off with d cohen here why is it that non-religious people have these experiences and religious and semi-religious people rarely have these type of experiences mm. uh, that's a very profound question one of the one of the areas that I was taken to in the writing of the book were uh, souls that had passed to heaven, but they were held fast in the religious dogma of their choice. And that religious dog- dogma uh, was further from the truth than it should have been. But they were entrapped in that belief and they had found it very they they could not escape from that they were they were like being locked in to that that dogma but that dogma was did not reflect the true uh expanse of of the heavenly realm and and kind of how things worked so maybe that's an answer to the question that uh spiritual people are have have perhaps a wider perspective on how things can happen in in the in the uh, in the heavenly realms, rather than accepting what we have been told by others, is probably the best way I could explain that. All right, moving on. Here comes question number two for you from our audience. This goes to Eugene, who has a great book out about uh, solving the near death riddle. What new near death revelations have your writings produced? Oh. That is such a wonderful question. Dave, I've got to tell you what happened. About three months after the writing process had finished, like all the writing's done, and like I'm in edit phase now. And mind you, I I still don't know where a comma goes properly. (laughs) 
but that doesn't matter. Um, I, and I've read this book in edit a hundred times. And uh, about, say, three months into this, the little voices in my head are going, Stephen, read it again. You've missed something. I go, what? What? <laughs> so I did. I read it again. And it was an amazing experience because I read the words again, read the text again, and it was like reading certain segments with, that had been highlighted. You know when you like put like a yellow bar across some text? It was like a highlight. And what I, what I learned, what I found serendipitously were these 15, and I called them laws of heaven and earth. And I've got to tell you, they have made such a profound difference to my life and others that I've shared them with um, that uh, amazing, t totally amazing. It was like reading, I say, reading the text again. I'd never seen it before, read this book a hundred times, but it was like reading, and I, I just it was highlighted to me. Let, let me give let me give you an example of just just one of them. Uh, I've got them here. Number one, fear not, you are never without the love of the Father. How how beautiful! Fear not, the you know the and the Father. I understand is is not like a masculine or feminine or a god it's it's our god or goddess what we believe in we are never separate uh from from that divine hand so we don't need to fear that's just one i found 15 of them wow how, how did you find 15 oh <laughs> it's a good question i i say when when i was just it was like the text was highlighted. It just bounced out to me. I go, oh, wow, that's one. Oh, look, there's another. <laughs> um, let me give you another one, just, just in this example. Number two, the judgment of heaven is neither vindictive or eternal, but probationary and remedial. Because, you know, we're taught through doctrine that, you know, um, you, you go into eternal hellfire or eternal bliss or whatever it might be but that's what this law says the judgment of heaven is neither vindictive or eternal but probationary and remedial so we are still we are able when we enter the heavenly realms we are still able to evolve through the heavenly realms hmm sounds peaceful sounds peaceful let's go to uh, jewels here have you developed any psychic abilities or have had any other woo aspects in your life before or after your own near-death experience? Now, there is a very good question. The, the, let me tell you the after effects. Uh, the, now, it's like there's no, no separation. You know, the, you, you know one is intimately connected to the, to the divine realms. Uh, it, it, it's like before you go in search of something. Oh, I hope you're out there. I'm in trouble. Can you please help me? Uh, and that's a plead. But now I know that the, those guides uh, are there with us all the time, that we are able to 
ask, and the I know when we ask the right questions, the answer will come in some form, you know, through the sleeping process, or we hear some beautiful music, or we listen to a uh, to the radio uh, uh, that that you know um, explains us about the beauty of our sun. That's that's a divine speaking to us. That my understanding is, you ask a question, you will get an answer. The key is to ask the right question. Hmm. What questions are we missing that we as basic human beings are not asking? Hmm. Uh, I, Dave, I see it the in two forms. We can ask a constructive question or a destructive one. We will get an answer either way. But a constructive question generally starts with a a what or a how. What what do I do to solve this problem with whatever? How do I fix this issue about whatever? It's constructive of its nature because the the universe says, oh, I can help you with that. Listen up, and the answer will come at some yeah, – perhaps when we're listening – and again, it's not a thinking process. It's a listening process. So it's, we, we tune in, quiet the monkey mind, and, and listen for the response. And, and I know in my case, sometimes it will come straight away. Sometimes when we're – hey, like, like I love doing the ironing. And that zones me. <laughs> I'm weird, I know, but um, it zones me out. But the mind is sort of not engaged, and it's times like that that you know you've asked a question before, and you go, "Oh, yeah, oh, I got that. That's cool." <laughs> but the the destructive question generally begins with a "Why? Why can't I get this right? Why? Why does this always happen to me?" Why do bad things happen to me? And the answer to the question is, yeah, why does it? Because it needn't. So you have to ask the right question. Ask a constructive question, a what or a how or a where, and then listen for the answer. Great answer to that question, by the way. Let's go to Scan Man, a.k.a. Dr. Robert Steers. Are suicide victims... Also welcomed, or are they shunned? Oh, that's a very good question. Let me let me answer that question through the prism of the book, because the character Athar, who I mentioned before, in his life. Now, remember, I'm seeing through his eyes, so he's he's the one taking me on this journey. In his life as a child, he was abused under the auspices of the clergy, under the care of the the clergy. He was abused. And later on in his life, because of the the shame and the guilt and the anger that he felt, he was stuck in this these mists, in this purgatory that we talked about. And he couldn't see the light. I, I, I distinctly remember I was in this house, decrepit house, and you know, uh, and I saw him. He, he and he was so stuck by the hurt and the pain that he felt, that he couldn't see the light that was there. There was a light shining, a divine light shining there. And it was only through forgiveness 
of himself and others that enabled him to see that light that, that and that forgiveness released him from the the hold of this purg- purgatorial state and then he was he moved he, he this character went through such a beautiful transformation now remember in his life he had committed suicide but he was st- after he was able to forgiveness was the key that released him from these bonds and he was able to move up to majestic and go to all these majestic realms that he took me to and, and I saw through his eyes. So the the I hope that answers the question because it was a, that was a very real experience that I saw through this 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 main character's eyes. So uh, uh, and it cannot be it cannot be that suicide or otherwise that you are not still touched by the heavenly Father's hands. It cannot be. Maybe we don't see that light, but the light is still there. Mm. You know, because there is always that that theme of darkness, that theme of of doing wrong by taking one's own life. You know that that seems to uh, haunt a lot of people, and, and they yes. see darkness when they're on the other side. Yes, yes. Uh, and and maybe it's best described, Dave, through that darkness being one's own construct. And the darkness would be the pain and the anger hanging on to that, that one and and wish for revenge or whatever it might be that holds one stuck in this mm, state that does not allow progression or does not allow one to, to see the love and the guidance that is there for us. I, I, I can remember it so distinctly going into this room with this character and he was so the place was so decrepit but it was by choice he could not see the light and it was not on forgiveness released the bond Stephen Chung we have him until the top of the hour talking about the afterlife what goes on we will continue with some audience questions as well spaced out radio second half comes up right after this All right, we are clear. <clears throat> this is flying on by, my man. Oh, time disappears. It's great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Oh, I mean, I, yeah, it's great talking to you and great talking to your, to your listeners. It's fantastic. I agree. I agree. Takes a good guess, though. Thank you. Appreciate that. Oh, no worries. Hey, are you? Um, I've got to tell you, Dave. When when we've we've finished having a chat, uh, it's it, it's um, it's it's one o'clock Friday afternoon. Yeah, one is allowed a, a, a minor tipple. I I'd be thinking. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know what that means, but it sounds like alcohol right afterwards. Yeah, yeah, that'll do. Yeah, yeah. Take one down to the crocodiles for me. No, no. <laughs> yep. Damn snakes and crocodiles and sharks, spiders. 
Oh. We're able to visit those, I've got to tell you, Dave. There are a couple of these zoo places you can go to and you can see them from behind bars. That's the best place. Although, I've got to tell you, there are waterways around here. You saw the, the Barren River, um, which in some places you can swim in, but you get the, um, not the not like the crocodiles that will eat you. There, there, are, there are saltwater crocodiles and there are freshwater crocodiles. Uh, and they're, not that you want to get too close, but they're like, they're, their nose is different. Not that I've, you know, got up. You know, close and personal, but the the salties will eat you. The freshies do not. That, I, I think they're a bit more timid. Not taking but to the tell chance. the difference. <laughs> nope, not taking the chance, man. No, I agree. As a nurse, the one thing you don't do is stand still. You're always going, doing, helping, thinking, solving, saving. Your nursing career shouldn't stand still either. Post University can help you move it forward from RN to BSN, from BSN to MSN, even from MSN to DNP. Learn more about our accredited programs at post.edu. Start taking steps toward an advanced degree. Apply now to Post University. Post makes it personal. As a nurse, you're constantly in motion helping others. Isn't it time to take some steps forward to help yourself? Go from RN to BSN in as few as 12 months at Post University. Flexible online classes start soon. Apply now at post.edu. Post makes it personal. Just not right. It's just not right. Well, you've got bears and things that walk past your front door then. They're not to be encountered on a dark night, are they? Uh, I Black bears will run away. Will they? Oh. Yeah, black bears, for the most part, will run away. Uh, unless it's a mama with her cubs nearby or an extremely mm. hungry male. Mm. So what else did you say? What other Mountain creatures do you have? Uh, oh, you mentioned mountain lions, didn't you? Well, uh, big, giant moose. Uh, I would say that, um, if you go about 10 miles into the forest, then you're looking, then you're looking at, um, getting into grizzly bear territory. Ouch. Yeah. They're not. Well, what about, what about the moose for lay attack? Yeah. They're very territorial. Is that right? Hmm. Yeah. They are very territorial. They are not, um. They are not uh, friendly whatsoever. They're skittish, mm. so you don't need you, that, you don't usually need to worry about them. Just just the bears, the grizzlies. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you got to worry about the wolves and the coyotes. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that'll keep you indoors at night. Be hustle, hustle, you know, nestle between you know, in front of the fire. Well, the one thing you always got to remember is uh, if you see one wolf, you know that there is approximately nine, ten more that at minimum that, that, right? that are there watching oh. you. Uh, place to stay out of. Yeah, so you just be careful with everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
But it sounds like a beautiful part of the world that you're living in. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's very haunted here. Is it? Yeah. Oh. Uh, we have the Gold Rush Trail that is um, starts in uh, Reno, Nevada, and c- comes straight up through my town and and uh, goes right up to to the Alaska Utah Yukon area, right? The search for gold. Oh. Back in the eighteen hundreds, so that was. So there's a lot of haunted, haunted residences. Oh yeah, there. almost my town. Almost every house is haunted. Oh, is that right? Oh yeah, it's crazy. My, I got to tell you, my my beautiful aunt, uh, although she's you know, bordering on eighty now, me, well give retired. me a minute here because we're just about to come back here. Hold on. Sure, sure. past the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Reminder to all of you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Final half hour with Stephen Chong. He is the author of the book, The Afterlife, A Journey to Now You Know What We Will Happen. All right, let's continue on with some audience questions here as we have Chastity asking you, Stephen. Do you think an angel can come into a physical body, be reincarnated, so to speak? I think that's absolutely correct. Yeah, I don't. Yes, yes. Um, I've, I've, through my mother, I, I, I heard of a, of an angelic, a, a call it a story, but an actual real life incident where, where, where that happened. But you know, in, in saying that, Dave. I, we're all angels, you know. We're all we're all spiritual beings. Yes, we've got some things to learn and karma and all that sort of stuff. But um, let, 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 in fact, that leads. That's one of the laws we talked about before. Let me find it and read it to you. Ah, here it is. Law number twelve: To know that you are sacred is not to see new things in you, but to see yourself as you really are. That, to me, really very well explains this angel concept. We're all beautiful spiritual beings at heart. Hmm. All right, let's go over to Neil, who is asking, if we can manifest our living life, can't the afterlife be whatever we want it to be? Yeah, I'm certain that's, what we believe is true. So what we what we think and and believe in that creates how we see many things on the other side. You know, I mentioned before about 
how uh, what I saw was how religious dogma, dogma entrapped people in a certain state of being and didn't allow them to release because they were stuck in that way of thinking. So I, I can only commend people to, particularly through a book of this nature, what it does is opens one's perspective. It doesn't say that we have to accept everything, face value, of course not. But if we're open to, you know, like when you when you read a a book of this nature in its story form, what it allows us to do is is to connect at different levels, uh, and we could, we can read a book like this and it highlights metaphysical, like uh, universal laws, like the laws of heaven that we've talked about, but under that there's another level where we can experience our own mystical truth. And that's where we can, when you read something, not just a book like this, but, you know, you read something or hear something and you go, oh, man, that's me. I got that. That is so true. But that means that that story is unlocking that inner truth and it's expressing itself in in the way we live and behave. So the key to that is to be open, I think, to read something or listen to hear something and go, oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I hear. Uh, and not to be closed off to, to because of some particular belief pattern. I think that's the key. What is that inner truth? Oh, well, now there's a very good question. Now that will reflect uh, um, our own our own beliefs, well, our own state of being, but it, but we know it when we see it. So you you read you read the story and you go, ah, oh wow, well, oh, yeah, I got that. But that truth might be what is it? What is the truth for me? Might be different for for you. But the key is that it's been unlocked. You've found within that inner truth that then. Uh, uh, transmutes itself into into the way we live that's unlocked a door if you will and then it becomes a part of our 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 well-being how we live our life it's like with this this book it's on and these laws that i've learned it has helped me to see life i won't say diametrically differently but it's certainly profoundly different and to to uh, uh anticipate with uh the next life rather than look at it with dread that that's in the truth being revealed but we have to be open to let that that door open that does make sense and you know it, instead of leaving that door open wouldn't you want to have more of a clear consciousness clear mind body and soul to make that spiritual connection oh, yes i think that's right mate yeah uh the the one of the laws that I think I mentioned before is what you have caused to affect in your fellow man is what declares your place in heaven. So to me, a law like that says, I now understand that if I do bad things to you, like if I hurt you in some way, if I cause you harm, uh, that you don't bear the consequences of that um, incident, that that sin, if you will, for want of a better word. In the afterlife, but me, on the other hand, 
I bear those consequences because I've done that to you with intent. So if 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 that doesn't turn one away from uh, uh, malicious intent, I don't know what will. It also puts a different frame on, you know, uh, on the experience you have with others to to be of service as best as possible, but not to do harm, if you know what I mean. Very much so. All right, let's continue on. Let's go to Lynn Sue's. Your experience was that you died and that you were guided through a process with an angel. How do you feel about ghosts? Uh, well, let, let me let me be clear. The 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 experience I had of falling off the roof. I cannot because people have asked me, "Yeah, did you float off to the heavenly realms and and see you know, like an NDE stuff?" And I, I can't say that that hap- that happened. What what I know is in the writing process when I chose, you know, I knew this gift was there for the opening. It was there waiting for me, but I had to choose it. I had to say, okay, I'll write this thing. Um, and and God, th- thank thank God, I, God, I did because that opened up the pathway for all of this learning. But ghosts, how do I feel about ghosts? My goodness, I, I'm. I'm certain that ghosts are trapped in this purgatorial state. They're, they're, they're unwilling by fear or anger or whatever's keeping them, that ghost in this earthly realm is their unwillingness to, uh, to, to move because of their fear to move into the heavenly realm. So it entraps them in this place where they... I don't know what they feel, but you know, they they remained here to haunt us, I guess. Okay. Um, let's see here. Do you believe then that ghosts do not come back because they're comfortable with where they are or their home or just simply they like it here? Oh, it's a good question. I got to tell you, Dave. I, I I'll answer that through the words of my beautiful auntie. Yeah, my auntie. She's now touching eighty and still a beautiful being. But in her younger years, she she used to go to places. They people used to require her service, and they took her to places to. Uh, what's the term? Dehaunt a place. She could see that. So she could walk into a room and actually see the, the the ghosts that were inhabiting this place. And I remember distinctly what she told me years ago. She never had fear. Of, she, I, I, I never feared the ghost. And what I used to tell them was, look for the light. So she guided them because they, I mentioned before there was a, always the light, that divine light that's around them, but they can't see it. So she would instruct the ghost to look for this mm, uh, speck or, uh, or light, guiding light that was there around them, and that's how she that's how she was able to enable the ghost to leave that particular place. I remember that that's oh god that thirty years ago she told me that, but that's how she used to work. Do you believe then that any type of ghost can be anything from a spirit that has recently passed away 
to spirits who are living on a different timeline and have interacted with this current timeline of ours? Uh, again, that's that's a very profound question. I I, I would think that a, a ghost that in if we're talking in the haunting type sense is what what entraps that soul is fear and anger or malice that they're they're frightened to move on um let me give you an, an, as close an example as i can from the writing of the book the uh the pre the the clergyman the cause uh that committed this that horrible sin against the thar the the abuse that yeah he 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 did he was trapped in this horrible oh, we we went through these mm, caves like and there were like snakes and screams and noise it was a horrible place but uh, uh, and we walked through this tunnel and this this soul this priest that had committed these heinous sins he had created this place to stop he was afraid of the people of the many heinous things that he had done and he, he tried to stop people from coming in if, if that i don't know that i've explained that properly but he'd created this prison of his own making and he kept this you know, all these snakes and screams and stuff around him to stop people because he was afraid of the people coming to cause him harm for the many things that he had done in his life. Now, I hope I've explained that half properly, but that that was like a, a purgatorial state that the, this 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 priest had caused for himself. I got you there. All right, let's move on here to another question from our audience. Let us head on over to President Zaddy. Where does Jesus fit into all of this? Oh, my goodness. Um, I was asking a previous podcast a, a similar question, and the the answer is, like, remember I was describing the master that I saw? And I didn't have a name. I couldn't. I was never told his name, so I cannot say whether it was a, a Jesus or a Buddha or a Krishna or or a Muhammad or whatever. What I what I do know that this the spirit, the loving spirit, the master spirits of which obviously Jesus is paramount, will appear to us in the form that we understand. So if if we yeah you know, we hold the master Jesus to our hearts that's how it's that master that love is going to manifest manifest to us in the afterlife but I I think if one believes in in other religiosities the Krishna or the the Brahma or whatever then that loving master will appear in that form so it what we hold to heart what we believe will manifest itself in in the afterlife realms Hmm. Okay. One more question from our audience. This goes to DB. Is our pineal gland the proverbial gateway or vehicle which leads us to the afterlife and possibly other dimensions, hence the dream realm? 
Oh, Dave, that's a question. The well-being of my pay grade. Um, I, I, I really, you know, the the physiology of how this occurs, I have no idea. Um, I, I can only tell you what the, the experiences I had through the writing of the book, but how that manifests physiologically, oh, I'm sorry, that's, that's, well, that's well beyond my pay grade. All right. I can see that, I, and I can appreciate that. I mean, you're not going to know all the answers that you have found out, but out of every question that you have figured out or asked, What's something you haven't solved for yourself yet? Oh, now we, one doesn't know what one doesn't know. Um, a, a question, a question that I haven't asked for myself. I, I, I must say, I don't really hold to that so much, but rather know from a point of, uh, we talked about relativity before, what I now know, is I have a specific purpose to fulfil. Having been shown the beauty and the wonder of these heavenly realms and did my, and done my best to describe it through the book, uh, I, I now feel totally empowered to, and again, talk to lovely people on podcasts, uh, go out and spread the word, if you will. Um, uh, that's my job. And I have you know, been approaching 67 years old now there's, there's a limited time to do that before i really want to start planting tomatoes in the garden so it's it, it's it's empowering in, in in so many ways but um to ask if there's a specific question i, I would on a daily basis i would ask myself what is it that i need to do today what's what's paramount what, you know where do i need to go how do i need to do these things that that's part of a daily existence but it's driven by that specific purpose i can see where that would be we got about six minutes to go before we gotta say good night at the top of the hour to author stephen paul chong author of the book the afterlife a journey to now you know what will happen do you as you look at all the evidence that has been prevented presented to you do you have a better sense of your own self-worth and self-esteem? Oh, Dave, that is such a such a beautiful question, and the profound answer is is yes. You know, I, I tell you, I tell you an interesting experience. Um, uh, oh, it's probably eighteen months ago. I was looking back through an old yearbook of mine. You know, a hundred years ago, when I was at school, with when I had hair and it was it was dark, <laughs> and I looked at this figure, and and I knew it was me, and I saw back to all of the insecurities of that time, you know, the t- the, the tumult of the teenage years, and I thought, my goodness, uh, and. Ashley's Black Friday mattress sale is going on now. Save up to $900 on select purple adjustable mattress sets or receive a $300 instant gift with the purchase of a Tempur-Pedic adjustable mattress set. Plus, take advantage of low monthly payments with 60-month special financing in-store only. Visit your local Ashley store or ashley.com to shop the best Black Friday mattress deals only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. 
The best Black Friday furniture deals are happening now at Ashley. Shop doorbusters starting at just $199.99 and featured finds starting as low as $12.99.99. Plus, take advantage of our low monthly payments with 60-month special financing on in-store purchases. Visit your local Ashley store or ashley.com to shop more Black Friday deals. Only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. It's kind of as if you want to hang on to the, some of those insecurities. But the better side of me with the good knowledge that I've learnt now says you have evolved so much. One could only wish that you knew back then what you know now, but I'm pretty sure it doesn't work that way. <laughs> but to know that the, the process of one's involvement uh, has so outstripped the, the self-imposing beliefs of that era to say that I was too tall or too skinny or too many pimples or something or that all that nonsense. None of that, none of that exists anymore. Those, those burdens of that of of lower self-esteem or self-belief that in, stop us from realizing our fullest potential. It's like how I best describe. Like we know that they're in us within this well of intuition and beauty and creativity. Uh, but overlying that, there's this thing that says, oh, I'm not good enough, I can't do that, I'm too this, I'm too that, too big, too short, too something or other, I'm not worthy. Uh-uh, sorry, lift those barriers up. To know that you are sacred and part of the divine opens that channel and and the grace manifests itself in books such as this. If you were to rewind this book and restart it, would you, or what would you add to it that you missed out on that you feel? Uh, again, another good question. I wouldn't do anything to it, Dave, because what I understand profoundly is that it was a great gift. The words, the words from the stories and the dialogue, they're, they, they're not mine. I, I I couldn't make them up if I tried. So, you know, it, it's it's a gift that uh, I, I would not change a thing. I must say, though, however, that I'm sure there's more. Uh, there, there's a little niggle in the back of my head saying, Steve, <laughs> Stephen, there's more to come. But I, 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 at this stage, I don't know what or when that will be. But I, quite honestly, Dave, I wouldn't change a thing in the book because I know it is a profound gift from from a source that is working to our favour. And once again, you've mentioned God, you've mentioned source. What are we dealing with up there? Oh, profoundly, the, the word to me is love. There, there is nothing that happens without the divine hand of this master god father whatever we'd like to call him jesus nothing happens without the divine hand and love is the love is the bridge that connects us from this to the other and to know that we are worthy of that love is a profound blessing you know we, we all we've all tripped over our own big feet we've all done things that we look back in <laughs> in hindsight and go ooh, yuck but that doesn't dissuade us from the fact that we are we are divine beings 
with a beautiful divine purpose to fulfill while we have the opportunity. We have just over 90 seconds to go here. And I want to say a big thank you, Stephen, for coming on Spaced Out Radio tonight. It has been an absolute pleasure to get to know you, what you're about, and this great book that you have, and your energy and enthusiasm for this subject is second to none. Are you going to be doing a follow-up book on this? I uh, Yes. Yeah, so, uh, again, I've been asked that, and I know it's there, Dave. I'm not sure exactly where or when, but... There, there's more more to come but so, uh, you you you'll be you'll be the first to know i'll get on i'll get on the email and say dave the writing process has started again here it is <laughs> oh i love it i love it tell everybody <laughs> tell everybody where they can find your books uh the best place is probably dave on on amazon yeah or any of the book depositories uh, whole barnes and noble any of those get it through that or if people are interested about these 15 laws of heaven and earth they just got just got to go onto my website www.stephen stephen with a ph stephenchong.com.au slash downloads and those laws are there free no don't have to pay anything just download them and use them as the gift that they are love it Love it, my friend. We need more people like you out there bringing the reality to the woo because that is always a good thing when we get a chance to learn, especially with something so precious as life, something we all seem to take for granted for whatever reason it may be. And, uh, Stephen, I encourage all of our audience to go get your book, and congratulations, and we will do this again, my man. Dave, it's been a great pleasure, and many thanks to you and your viewers. Coming up next on Spaced Out Radio, Steve Stockton from Among the Missing has another creepy story. Then Robin Haynes joins us for the Cryptid Report. At the bottom of the hour, it's Dave 101 night. Bye-bye, Sean Kirkpatrick. And the weird news of the week on Spaced Out Radio. (laughs) Great show tonight, Stephen. Thank you. Oh, you're a great man, Dave. Time is just flown you know we started five minutes ago yeah right (laughs) right well i'm glad you had a good time that's that means a lot to me so thank you uh, thank you very much we'll talk soon okay right cheers mate and i'll um i'll I'll go and have a nice glass of white with with my beloved now is that okay yeah (laughs) say hi to the crocodiles for us cheers cheers Uh, dave all the best steven paul chong everybody what a great guy Great guy. I'm going to be right back. And uh, our three next.
All right. Hi, Robin McRae. Or Haynes, sorry. I can't hear you yet. Exciting times. I hope you all enjoyed that one. I know I did. Thank you to Lynn Sows, CS, Zaddy, Mennonite Abe, and Simon Times 2 for the wonderful super chats. It's a great way to support what we do on this show. And don't forget you can shop at our Spaced Out Radio store and our website. We do not have ugly swag, people. Here we go. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Here we go with the third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, Talk Stream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do me the favor. Hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Umbel. Umbel is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon in the SOR Space Travelers Club. It is that time of the night where we say hello to Steve Stockton from Among the Missing and another creepy story. Hello, friends. Welcome to Among the Missing YouTube channel on Spaced Out Radio. I'm Steve Stockton, and I'm about to take you on an unbelievable journey of people just like you. Their stories and encounters will haunt us on Among the Missing. On July 5, 1988, 
24-year-old California resident Timothy John Barnes left Tanaya Lake east of Tioga Road for a day hike to Polydome Lakes in the Yosemite High Country. The last known sighting of him was around 9 a.m. near the Murphy Creek Trailhead. He failed to return that afternoon, as companions reported him missing the following day, according to National Park spokesperson Marianne Hamilton. For seven days, over 170 people, helicopters with infrared equipment, and canines combed the area for the missing hiker. Ultimately, with no trace of Timothy being found, a Park Service spokesman announced, We're scaling back the search and demobilizing the search teams because we haven't found even the slightest clue of his whereabouts. Officials added, Investigators will check out any leads we get any time in the future. To this day, Timothy has never been found. Anyone with any information is asked to please contact the National Park Service tip line at 888-653-0009. Next, David Paul Morrison, who went missing in the park in 1998. On Memorial Day in 1998, 28-year-old experienced hiker David Paul Morrison took a solo hike to Half Dome in Yosemite National Park. He planned to meet his girlfriend at the trailhead later that day after departing Curry Village. However, as night fell and David was nowhere to be found, his girlfriend grew increasingly worried and reported him missing to the authorities. She also contacted David's parents to inform them of his disappearance at around 10 p.m. that same night. David was last seen talking to a group of hikers on an outward bound expedition in Yosemite Valley at around 7.15 a.m. He asked for directions to Half Dome and mentioned that the cloud cover was very thick. The hike from Yosemite Valley to Half Dome is a challenging 14 to 16 mile trek with steep inclines. The following day, David was still missing. A search party consisting of 75 people, five canine teams, and a California Highway Patrol helicopter scoured the area in search of him. Initially, David's mother and stepfather participated in the search, but his father and brother joined soon after. Due to unfavorable weather conditions and the need to rescue two stranded climbers near El Capitan's Peak, the search for David was impeded. Despite the best efforts of the search team, David remained missing. After a week of searching, the search was called off as there were no signs of him found. David remains missing to this day. Anyone with any information is asked to contact the National Park Service tip line at 888-653-0009. And thank you to Steve Stockton from Among the Missing for joining us tonight. It's always a good time to kick off hour number three with Steve as he takes us through a spooky journey each and every night from Among the Missing. If you want more stories just like that, just head on over to youtube.com forward slash Among the Missing and you can see hundreds of them for free. From the Missing to the Mysterious, it is time for Robin Haynes and the Cryptid Report. Robin Haynes, how you been doing? I'm good. How are you, sweetheart? Good. I'm going to get you to get a little closer to your microphone because we can barely hear you, my friend. Right, hang on. Let me get it up. Okay. Let's see here. How's that? Any better? Uh, we are getting a little bit of echo from you, so I'll need you to turn your volume down. 
because echo is a, a bad thing for radio. Yeah. Yeah. Is that better? No. No. So what we're going to do here, Robin, we're going to continue on. What I'm going to do here is I'm going to ask you the questions, and then I'm going to unmute you so that way we can uh, we can make sure that we get your questions in tonight. And so it'll be a little bit different than what we normally do, but that's okay. We still got you. That's the big thing. We still got you. And one of the things that uh, I'm thinking about is I'm going out to our site here over the next couple of days because it is winter and we're getting closer to winter. It's getting closer to being cold. So my question to you is where or what habits does Sasquatch seem to change as the weather gets colder? Is that better, Dave? Can you hear me any better? Yeah. Just did you hear my question? My question? Yeah. Um, I think it was because I was inside. I think that's where we were getting the echo from. Um, actually, when the cooler weather, they're a lot more active. As the weather gets cooler and it's easier for them, they're all over the place. Like right now, I get contacted daily by people that have seen more activity in the last week than they have. Oh, we've lost Robin. We've lost Robin. Lost Robin. What is going on? I think they are playing with your technology today. I really do. We're getting echo and everything. Do you have headphones, Robin? I do, but they're not charged. Okay, that's what's causing the echo. I've never used the headphones. Weird. So weird. It's just tonight. It's just doing it tonight. I don't, And I'm in the same spot I always am. Oh, okay. Okay, we're just going to play with it. We're just going to play with it. Okay, so the question to you was this. Okay, the question was, winter time. how does Sasquatch change their habit? Well, I think, like I said, they're very, I've not had a problem with them slowing down in winter. They're normally pretty active as it gets cooler. The colder it gets, they might go and stay more in the caves where they're not quite as out front. I think they're out more in the heat of the day, like when it's warmer. You don't find them out hunting nearly as much because they've been stocking up food for the winter. But, you know, some places they get bitter cold. They find they see less of them. That's never been my experience. I have had just as many sightings in the middle of the winter time as I had in the fall. Okay. So when you say they are stocking up on food, what do you mean by that? You'll know they'll get an an insane amount of deer, rabbit, wild game of any kind. Um, different places have found cave systems where they're stocked up in it. There was one DNR officer that found in Michigan over by... M- Ashley's Black Friday mattress sale is going on now. Save up to $900 on select purple adjustable mattress sets or receive a $300 instant gift with the purchase of a Tempur-Pedic adjustable mattress set. Plus, take advantage of low monthly payments with 60-month special financing in-store only. Visit your local Ashley store or ashley.com to shop the best Black Friday mattress deals. Only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The best Black Friday furniture deals are happening now at Ashley. 
shop doorbusters starting at just $199.99 and featured fines starting as low as $12.99.99. Plus, take advantage of our low monthly payments with 60-month special financing on in-store purchases. Visit your local Ashley store or ashley.com to shop more Black Friday deals. Only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Play City uh, cave and found 14 dead deer that were gutted out and stacked in this cave. And these all these huge footprints were all on the ground around it. You know, they'll go and during like harvest season at the farms, they'll stock up on corn. Anything they can get their little hands on, they will get and they will take them in these caves and they'll prepare for winter so that if the weather gets too severe, they don't have to go out to hunt. There's already food there. They will still hunt on decent days, but for the most part, they'll have it already stocked up. Any game they can get, fish, whatever, they do stock it. The fish, I've noticed that they bury a lot in sand to preserve that. They used to do that. The one property I had was all sand, and they would have piles of sand, and you'd go through them, and you'd find fish buried in it all over. Okay, one of the things that I have heard that happens around here, especially during spawning season of the salmon runs, is that they will go almost like a, a bear or a grizzly bear and walk into the water and, and just kind of wait on the fish and then throw them up on shore, you know, or grab them and take what they need and then kind of disappear into where they need to, to go. Is that how they stack up on fish? Um, my experience is, yeah, I mean, I, they'll get right in the water and get them, like I said, but they do, they bury them. I don't know if the sand helps preserve them or what, if it's already wintertime and they've been able to get into the water to get the fish that way where it's not iced over, then they don't have to. But like in the summertime, even they'll, they'll stash them in the sand to preserve them, but they absolutely will get right in the water and catch them. And they're excellent swimmers. They get people don't realize that they swim. They get in the water and they swim quite well. And they can get underwater and hold their breath for great amounts of time because of the lung capacity. That I do believe because there had been alleged sightings in Vancouver Island where Sasquatch has been allegedly seen swimming in between the islands to get between the mainland to the islands to the main Vancouver Island and back and forth. So that I actually do believe that they are strong swimmers and they they do have the ability to navigate waterways and the and the open maybe not the open ocean but uh, ocean ways where there is land in between, much like a polar bear would. Yeah. Th- yeah, they actually do. And like I said there's been several people that have seen them go underwater for long amounts of time. Just because of the lung capacity they have, they can hold their breath, you know, and they love the water. They actually do. They do quite well in it, whether it's swamps or, you know, even people have seen them in the ocean, you know, by the shore swimming around in there, mostly the lakes they prefer because of the salt, but they do, they have no problem swimming and going underwater to get the fish. When they are hunting, are they using tools like axes or spears or or any primitive type of weapon that may have been used long ago? Or are they just hunting like every other animal with their, their feet, their hands, and their teeth? Actually, it's both. 
Um, normally when they are chasing the deer, they'll get them and they snap the neck and put one arm behind the back legs and, you know, they can break the back or the neck. However, there have been a lot of people that have witnessed them with, you know, cruel type tools that they've made, whether it looks like, a, you know, a stick with a point on the end of it or whatever, that they've speared various things. It has been seen. So, you know, do they predominantly use them? I don't think all the time, but do they? Yes. What is the spiritual connection that they have with First Nations? I think, you know, they've always had a close relationship with the First Nations. And there were some tribes that they got along quite well with, others that they didn't. But I think they learned a lot of ways from them as well. And their culture follows a lot of Native American traditions. So they've always been around them. Now, I do know there were some tribes that they fought vehemently with they just you know it was awful but for the most part there's a mutual respect there i think in my opinion from what i different you know first nations that i've talked to there seems to be an awful lot of respect between the two and in the cultures i have a question coming from coming from ross dogs here and he's wondering what your thoughts are on the situation G 70, 80, 90 years ago at Ape Canyon near St. Helens. St. Helens. I'm not, you know, I've heard different stories about the Ape Canyon thing, and I'm really, unfortunately, I don't know a lot about it. I should know more than I do, but I don't. Um, Ape Canyon, from my understanding, that was a very hostile area. You know, I mean, people were coming in and out of there, and it got really bad. I don't know enough about it to give a really authoritative opinion on it. Um, I know what I've read. I've never gotten any solid information from anything on that. But I think it's important that we realize that some of these areas that people go into, such as Ape Canyon, the groups and the clans that are in there are territorial. Whether or not they're going to let you in and out of there is dependent on the clan. Just like you can go in certain areas of the city that are perfectly fine and peaceful and other areas aren't. But I am sorry, I don't know enough about the Ape Canyon. I do know about it, but I don't know enough to make an educated guess on it. Okay, what makes a Sasquatch territorial? What would we have to be looking for for the warning signs? Well, you see a lot of your, of course, the big giant X structures are there, and that marks their territory for the other clans to see as well. Um, A lot of it, you see the upside-down trees. Usually those are more for other Sasquatch opposed to us humans, but sometimes that can transfer over to us. It comes down to the individual. It comes down to the area. It's just like you can have some neighbors that you step one foot on their grass and they're screaming and hollering. The other neighbors on the other side, your kids can run and play in their yard and they don't care. It comes down to the individual. It comes down to the clan. It comes down to the location. What have they got going there? It actually is much more personalized than what you would think. Okay. Okay. Does Sasquatch purposely keep their own areas close to humans? Or do they try and set up their own their own camps, their own quarters, whatever you want to call it, as far away from humans as possible? One sec, Robin. There you go. Where they actually live where they actually live at. Not these temporary little teepees that everybody sees that are kind of like a blind, but where they actually have their homes at, 
they try to keep them away from humans. And if they do have them in a nearby area, I promise you these areas are almost impossible to get in. I've only been taken to one one time. And to get into it was just unbelievable to get into it. They are not easily accessible. And what you find when you go in there is not like anything you've ever seen before. You're talking about nests that are the size of a two and a half car garage that have tops and canopies over them that make it waterproof. It's really incredible. Um, I was very blessed that I was taken there one time. But to get into it, you would have never known it was in there. It was damn near impossible getting in. And they don't make it accessible for us. They do tend to come into hunting areas and different areas that are around our places um, to get food or whatever they want, whether it's to watch us or whether it's to hunt. But the actual homes where they live in are not easily accessible at all. And they are incredible. Once you see one, you never forget it. It's unlike anything you've seen. Okay. So so in these areas where they are setting up their own camps or their hideaways, houses, whatever we can call them, dens, are they stealing a lot of human things in order to set up their own places like like i'm thinking maybe if you know somebody's hanging a a a blanket off of a off of a outdoor laundry line or you know maybe somebody has chickens and they're taking you know not only the chickens for food but the feathers for bedding or or whatever do they do that yeah they absolutely will um, now, I will say that the place that they took me to, they used a lot of regular branches and foliage and stuff like that and the leaves and the brush for a lot of the building part of it. But, yeah, they if they find stuff out on the line like blankets or whatever, they'll take that. They'll take the chickens. They'll take the feathers. You know, they're opportunistic. They really are. And if there's something, <laughs> excuse me, that they need that they can get to, they will take it. Absolutely. Do they consider themselves as thieves? Oh, they they really don't. They do a lot of things in what they call the barter system, which they get from First Nations. And a lot of them, when they do take these stuff, you'll find whether it's rocks or feathers or whatever left as a gift in replacement of it. They've always, anytime they've taken anything from me, something has been left in return. So then they're more into trading. Yeah, absolutely. What have you, you been trading? What have you been trading? They brought me I'm trying to think various things. I've had lace been brought to me. I've had um I put food out for them one night and they brought me a headless rabbit the next day in replacement of it. They've brought flowers, branches, rocks, anything they can find that they want to offer up as a gift, they will bring. Yeah. What, what, maybe give a couple of examples because I know a friend of mine was actually, was actually given these rocks. He left a, a, he left something for them once in an area where he felt them, and he was actually uh, went back there the following day. It was a beer can, to be honest. And he went back there a couple days later, and there the beer can was gone. 
And in replacing of that was a triangle of rocks with one standing up in the middle of, oh goodness, I wish I could remember the type of rock that it was. But have you ever received something special like that? Yeah, I mean, for me, they had brought in one time, I had put food out for them, and I came back, and I don't know where they got it. This was in the middle of the woods. There's no way this could have happened on its own. Was a mylar balloon with a smiley face on it, and they had taken it into where the food had been left at and taken and put branches on top of it to hold it down so it couldn't float out. And we happened to have a store in our town where you know, in the dumpster and stuff, they would throw all the leftover balloons and stuff in it. So they probably got it out of there, but there was no way it could have ever flown into that, the woods where it was at. It was impossible. And they had it anchored down. They had it, the, you know, the ribbon on it was anchored around a branch on the ground. And then they put more branches on top of it to hold it down. But absolutely. I've had flowers been given. I'd get up and I'd go on my front porch and they would have, you know, had a bunch of flowers there for me. Well, that's nice. That's nice and cute of them. You know, we're down to a minute, Robin, and the shortened version of the cryptid report with you as we learn more about the elusive Sasquatch. You got about 45 seconds here. Do me a favor and tell everybody where they can find you, your YouTube channel, find you on social media. Yeah, you can find me under Robin Haynes, H-A-Y-N-E-S, Um, No middle initial, just Robin Haynes on Facebook, or you can go to my website and it is called paranormal-empowerment.com. And there's a list of services that I do there for people. And there's also a contact sheet. You can email me at R-L-Y-N-N-E and then a period F-O-R-E-S-T-P-E-O-P-L-E at gmail.com. Yes. R-L-Y-N period forest people at gmail.com. Robin Hayes, we will talk to you next week on the Cryptid Report. Much love to you, and thank you for joining us. Coming up next on Spaced Out Radio, get off my lawn, because I'm talking about Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick. Hit the road, Jack. The UFO world doesn't want you around no more, no more, no more. We'll be right back with Spaced Out Radio. Woohoo! Yeah, that echo was hard. That echo was hard tonight. Pardon me while I clean my glasses. No idea how I can see out of these things right now. You all have a nice, good look at the beard tonight coming on in very, very nicely.
I don't know where your random guy is. I don't think he likes me anymore. Oh, that's not the truth. He's a busy guy right now. <clears throat> you should know that, Ross Dogs. It's coming in nice and thick here. It is. I don't know what's that piece with that piece right there. Brian Dodd, how you doing? Any surprise super special guests going to Reno? Let's see. So far coming. Geraldine Orozco, Jim, Jim Goodall, which means that Michael Schratt will likely be there, uh, Science Bob, and la 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 la, Bright, uh, Melinda Leslie is going to be there, Merle is going to be there, uh, Merle is going to be trying, he's just drumming up some of his paranormal buddies to come on in that have been on this show before, um, who else is coming? I think Olaf Phillips is coming. Lorian Fenton may come. Um, really, we're going to start opening up the doors here pretty quick. So I'll be inviting a bunch of people. Yeah. See what we can get for you. I think Michael P. Masters may come. All right, everybody. Thank you, Lynn Sos, Simon Times 2, Mennonite Abe, Zaddy, and CS for the great super chats tonight. Very much helps us out. We appreciate it. And what else can I say? Uh, we have a great time with all of you shopping at spacedoutradio.com. Thank you for that. And um, here we go, everyone.
We've rounded third. We're heading for home tonight on Space Down Radio. Thank you for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Reminder to all of you that if you've missed most of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon by joining the SOR Space Travelers Club. It is that time of the night, that time of the week, where we say, get off my lawn. It's a Dave 101. finally found out on a mystery that we all wondered when will come we know now when it's happening ashley's black friday mattress sale is going on now save up to 900 dollars on select purple adjustable mattress sets or receive a 300 instant gift with the purchase of a tempur-pedic adjustable mattress set plus take advantage of low monthly payments with 60 month special financing in store only Visit your local Ashley store or ashley.com to shop the best Black Friday mattress deals only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The best Black Friday furniture deals are happening now at Ashley. Shop doorbusters starting at just $199.99 and featured finds starting as low as $12.99.99. Plus, take advantage of our low monthly payments with 60-month special financing on in-store purchases. Visit your local Ashley store or ashley.com to shop more Black Friday deals. Only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The man named Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, who never really did want the UFO job by leading and being the face of Arrow at the Pentagon, has decided that he is going to be quitting at the end of the year. Yeah, the man who has stoked more controversy into this subject than really necessary is gone. See you. Goodbye. Sayonara. And don't let the door hit your ass on the way out. Many in the UFO world are very happy to see that Dr. Kirkpatrick, a very smart, intelligent man, is actually leaving this field. Many feel that he has really no business being in it. He doesn't want anything to do with UFOs. He knows nothing about the word transparency and its meaning. That transparency means you actually speak on the subject. He was no fan of the people who were trying to bring this subject to light. Whether it was David Grush, whether it was Lou Elizondo, Chris Mellon, or many others. He never really associated with the UFO community, nor why should he, considering that he isn't a part of the UFO field. He's all about them damn UAPs. 
He supported groups like NASA who promoted lying and cover-ups about what they know about the UFO topic. He also said that even though there were over 800 sightings reported to Arrow, that the majority of them could be explained on everything from geese farting in the wind while traveling south for the winter to balloons and drones. No, it never seemed to be alien now, did it? However, he did say that, yeah, he believes they're out there somewhere. That's why he went and wrote a paper with Harvard professor Avi Loeb. The question is, what will he be doing afterwards? I don't know. Could he stay in the UFO field? It's very possible on a private contract. Here's the interesting thing about it, and I've been talking to a few people about this recently since this news broke. What does he do? Where will he go? Will he end up helping run the Arrow, or pardon me, the Enigma Labs program? Will he end up running some other government agency? Is he done for life, retired? You know, most of these guys, they do their time, they get their pension, then they go out and get a contracting job for triple or quadruple or more the money. Because now it is about the money. He'll still have his security clearance, won't be able to have certain conversations with people. But on the flip side, the good news is we do have a change coming. Much like when a sports team is struggling, sometimes you need to fire the coach. And sometimes a coach just has enough and says, yeah, I don't really need this anymore. I'm just going to bail on out. And that's what we're seeing. So what did I do? I went to the man himself. I was talking with Lou Elizondo earlier today about it. My question to him was, do we like the replacement? Who is this gentleman named Timothy A. Phillips? who is temporarily going to be taking over Arrow. According to Elizondo, Tim is a career government guy, much like Kirkpatrick. Said he'll make a good interim deputy. However, it's down to two people for the new director, and those people we do not know the names of as of yet. Here's what we need to hope for. If you believe in the word disclosure, or if you're like me, you believe in the word confirmation. We need somebody who understands the word transparency. What it means, what it means to the private, see of near of uh, NDAs, non-disclosure agreements, what it means to the public and the news that will continue to push whether or not we are alone on this planet and in this universe. The word transparency means you don't have to tell all the secrets, but you give us something. Give us the rations. And if you can't give us the rations, give us the crumbs. Because the UFO field is used to crumbs or less. That's what we need. Somebody who doesn't define their position by the government agency that requires them 
to run that portion and the higher-ups who call the shots. Transparency means we need somebody who's going to tell us whether it's a drone, whether it's a balloon, or whether it's a UFO. This UAP crap's got to go away. It really does. It's confusing. And to me, it just sounds silly. With Kirkpatrick out of the way, we can only hope that somebody who takes that job understands that they are going to be criticized, that they are going to be strong enough to be raked over the coals, not only by the field of ufology, but by the media and the government officials themselves. Why? Because this is a difficult job to have. You cannot just go in there and say, hey, we're looking for UFOs because of the UAP factor. You need someone who is going to be able to handle national security, but still bring to light the stories, the evidence that have been presented or could be more presented to those who need to be in the UNO. The problem that we have is the entire government's the same. Tim Burchett, Anna Luna, both were talking about transparency, but behind closed doors. So transparency only really revolved around the elected officials, not the general public or media. That's the problem that we have. All right? That's where we need to see it go. Now, I believe Timothy Phillips, who is a career-long intelligence agent, might be the guy who can actually quell the storm that Kirkpatrick has drawn his way for his lack of talking, his lack of information, his lack of enthusiasm. And let's face it, he's got a bad beard. And that says a lot. Hopefully, Timothy Phillips can come in and actually speak with a modicum of truth about the honesty and integrity that a position like this should hold. They're playing with fire, the fire being the rest of the world. And they don't want anybody to burn, but they don't want to give you the matches to stay warm either. No, this is going to be probably the same until we figure out who the next person is. Now, even though last uh, time we talked to Science Bob McGuire, we were throwing around names of who could it be. I think we're in for somebody we've never heard of before. It's easier that way. These other guys, whether it's Jay Stratton, James Lukatsky, whether it's Chris Mellon or Lou Elizondo, won't take over because they have other things to do. Mellon truly should be the guy who puts his name forward. He believes in the subject. He believes that the public has a right to know. He believes that this is a major story that's going to affect everybody in human history, both past, present, and future. That's where we need to get on this subject to move it forward. The other thing is whoever has the cojones to take over this job they need to be able to talk about 
the pilots and the crash retrievals. Brought up by David Grush a few months ago, we could believe that there is some sort of crash retrieval program and they have the pilots who crashed those craft. That would be amazing if it ever came out to be true. That next person coming in needs to be able to handle the pressure, the rigors of not getting a full budget to work with on not being very loyal to the American and world public, learning how to lie while telling the truth at the same time, like most politicians do. That's who's going to get in. doesn't matter whether they're male, female, non-binary. That's what they're looking for. Because remember, the military-industrial complex is still wielding a giant sword over this topic. They have the right to do that in their position, and they're most likely going to flex their muscles on what can and cannot be seen. So just because Kirkpatrick is stepping down doesn't mean we're going to get any more videos. It doesn't mean that we're going to get any more military pilot eyewitness testimony because the government has zapped that up with different areas around the country basically saying, hey, if you got a story reported here, and that's where we're going to leave it. It's dangerous times right now for ufology. It's something that we got to stay on top of. It's something that we have to urge, at least if you're American, the idea to write a letter to your congressperson or your senator to say, we need to stay up to date on this. Now, it may not be their priority to do so at this time, because, let's face it, you look all around the world, there's some pretty bad stuff happening. Russia, Ukraine, Jerusalem, and Israel versus Hamas and Hezbollah. That's enough right there. That's enough right there to stress anybody out. Aliens, they can be put on the side right now. Much like a cherry Pepsi that is warm and flavorless after sitting out in the sun. No, the next person who takes over for Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick better understand or have a better understanding of what the position means that you are getting into. There are psychopaths in our field who will call up the head or email them and literally start ripping them a new one on private numbers. We've seen that happen. We've also seen happen where people apply undue pressure, worse times and worse situations, which makes the entire UFO field look bad. We don't need that either. But Timothy Phillips, for the time being, is going to feel the wrath. And I don't think we see him speak publicly. Not before a new person is chosen. He's just going to run the, the telephones much like a good secretary would. And he's going to deflect the phone calls. He's going to deflect everything until the right person allegedly gets in there. So now the wait-and-see game continues. The wait-and-see game is where we now begin. 
the debate on who's going to get hired, well, that's something that could take weeks, could take months. It'll also be interesting to see where Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick finishes up, considering, deep down, I do believe he thinks UFOs are real. He just didn't show it in that position. That is your Dave 101 for this week. Do me a favor, if you're on YouTube, tell me what you think. Leave a comment below. Be very interested in what you're saying. It's time for the news. What time is it? It's time for Shirky Pooh's News! All right, this one's right off the hot of the presses. You know, sometimes people get a little kink in their life, and sometimes things go off script a little bit. That seems to what has happened here. Yeah. An Australian adult film star named Danny DeBello told her followers on social media about a recent incident involving her male partner during the scene and her giant pet snake. Hmm. Yep, if you're thinking something horrific happened, you're right. It did. Why? The snake decided to latch on with its teeth on the man's nether region. She says, I want to introduce you to Betty. She is my Centralian carpet python. She's about eight feet long. I have never had an issue with her biting or anything until today. The blonde beauty said in an Instagram video that shows the snake wrapped around her neck. DeBello and a pal had just filming, finished filming up one of their sexy scenes together when things went a little awry. Quote, so earlier I had a friend over and we shot a video once we were finished doing that, he jumped in the shower. But he did mention he wanted to hold my pet snake afterwards, said the actress. Yeah. Well, DeBello came out of the shower and placed the snake around her friend's neck before heading to the bathroom. As she walked away, she heard a massive scream. I turned around and saw that Betty is holding on to his private parts, and he's trying to pull her off of it. After a few minutes, we got her off. He did not get off, by the way. And I put her back into her enclosure. There was blood everywhere, so we had to clean it all up. After pulling the snake off of his penis, she checked to make sure there were no little teeth left in it because pythons sometimes apparently leave their teeth in things after biting them. Ouch. Who does this? And more importantly, why do this? You don't let a wild animal that cannot be trained like a snake near your manhood. This is a Darwin move, people especially if you're using your own snake to make money off of OnlyFans and Pornhub. 
Smart move, Gen Z. Smart move. A woman was arrested after allegedly walking onto the tarmac to catch a plane taking off from an airport in Australia. The bizarre incident happened at Canberra Airport on Wednesday. It was caught on video and a clip shared on social media. She was trying to yell at the pilot and get his attention to stop the plane so she could get on. Simon Hales stated, Hales described the ordeal in a Facebook post stating that the woman had missed her flight clearly and thought she could just walk out there and catch it. She pushed past the staff at the door, ran down onto the tarmac, and ran up to the plane. Luckily, the pilot was warned or spotted her and killed the engine. The woman was arrested by the Australian Federal Police and is being charged for causing mild chaos. No kidding. Mild chaos. All right. A lot of Aussie stories today. A man from Brisbane continues to feel the wrath of a magpie that has attacked him daily as he cycles home from work. Alejandro Rios, 25, says he's been attacked by the same magpie every day after work and believes it has singled him out as his enemy. Rios, who moved to Brisbane in March, started getting attacked by the bird in September when one day the animal swooped down and chased him and started pecking at his bicycle helmet as he headed home from his job at a catering company. Rio said that he wore the helmet during his trek home. He didn't even know that it had become a victim of the aggressive bird. He goes, I take the same street to get home every day. The first time I felt something knock at my head, said Rios, I was a bit worried. I didn't know what had happened. I thought a piece of fruit had fallen off a tree and hit me. I had no idea what was happening. Well, apparently, this magpie is still pretty pissed off about something. Don't know what it is. Probably never will. Big thank you to everyone tuning us in tonight and listening to Stephen Chong, as well as me, as well as Robin Haynes and Steve Stockton. What a power show we had tonight. I hope you had a lot of fun, because I sure did on this end of the microphone. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with Little Brother is Watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio, rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at work, at home, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAP, Facebook, Spreaker, LinkedIn, the Space Travelers Club, and on X at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Remember, this show is copyrighted by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us because together, my friends, we own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Sheets are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we got room for them too. 
night. Ashley's Black Friday mattress sale is going on now. Save up to $900 on select purple adjustable mattress sets or receive a $300 instant gift with the purchase of a Tempur-Pedic adjustable mattress set. Plus, take advantage of low monthly payments with 60-month special financing in-store only. Visit your local Ashley store or ashley.com to shop the best Black Friday mattress deals. Only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Leonard Skinner, ZZ Top, two American institutions unite. The Sharp Dressed Simple Man Tour, April 4th, Mississippi Coast Coliseum. With Blackstone Cherry. On sale now at Ticketmaster.com. Skinner and ZZ Top Live, presented by Beau Rivage Resort and Casino.